Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? We okay? Uh, first, an apology that you have to suffer me both on guitar and um, preaching as well. It's certainly an August Sunday, isn't it? It's raining and there's not many people here, but um, it's really good to be here. Obviously, my name's Dan. Um, Richard's already introduced me, part of the, the team here. Um, I'm actually a, a teacher by trade, and so um, not to rub this in, uh, but I'm coming to, towards the end of my six-week. To say six-week holiday, um, only another eight weeks to go, and I get another week off. Thank goodness for that, you know. Um, I think it totals 13 weeks across the year, so... Uh, I don't feel too bad, but actually, um, this time of year does make me feel a little bit anxious. Do you know, six weeks of not doing something, sometimes you, you come back to it and you just feel a little bit nervous about it. So I guess um, I'm feeling nervous, I'm excited about what the new term might bring, but actually I just begrudge going back entirely. Can't I just, uh, can't I just get my salary without having to go back? I guess um, ultimately, though, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we've had incredible weather for the most part except today. I'm thankful that um, I've been able to take our young people away to New Day and see all that God has done amongst them and grown them in such a way. I'm thankful for quality time spent with friends and family, time that I don't normally get in my normal day-to-day week. I know that when things get into full swing, I'm going to miss these moments. And over this uh, short summer series, we've been digging into the first Uh, A few verses of Colossians 3. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, what page is 1,184? We've been looking at this theme of risen in Christ, what it means to be risen in Christ. And this morning we're going to focus in just on the last three verses of this section, verses 15 to 17. And we're going to look at what it means to be thankful in our Worship. However, it's perhaps um, helpful just to recap where we've come to over the last three weeks and remind ourselves by looking at the whole passage, because everything I'm going to say today in 15 through 17 finds its roots, its foundations in verses 1 through 14. So we're actually going to read the whole section today, starting at verse 1 of chapter 3. It says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the, knowledge, in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. In the first two parts of this summer series, John encouraged us to think about who we are in Christ. He said, think about who we are. And as he moved on to his second part, he, he, he gave us a, a whole series of things that because of who we are in Christ, things we were to put off, things of our earthly nature. And last week, Carlos turned the other way and he said, actually, there are things that we should be putting on, things that we should be clothing ourselves with. However, it's only when you stand back and you see the, the whole passage that you kind of get to grips with what Paul is trying to say to the church in Colossians, Colossae. And he gives a roadmap to this by using different tenses. I've got highlighted here a little bit of a word study for us. All the things in orange um, are things which have happened in the past tense, and all the things which are in purple are things in the present tense. And if you were to take that list and you were to kind of separate them out, I kind of ask myself, what is it which is going on here? Well, let's take the first list here. I think if when I, when I read those phrases over and over again, I looked at those verses, what I got was it's the gospel. This is the good news. What happens when we first choose to accept Jesus? When we first cross that line of faith, our life has its trajectory, trajectory miraculously changed. Look at what Paul says. It says that you used to walk in these ways. You used to, past tense. You used to walk in sin. We used to be sinners. But instead, when we choose to follow Christ, our old sinful way has died. Past tense, it has died. Why and how? Because Jesus died for us. Our old self has been put to death through Jesus. And instead, we have been raised with Christ. How? Because Christ was raised first. And now when the Father in heaven looks down on us, he doesn't see a sinner in the present tense. He sees a person hidden in Christ Jesus, with our clothed in our new selves. It's important to note that this has all been done. It has been finished. It is complete. When you chose to follow Jesus, maybe you've made that decision here, or maybe you've not, it was done for you. It is complete. Past tense, the victory has been won. And this morning, we should be thankful for that. If we take a look at the second list, we can't escape what Paul says in purple, in the present tense. And this, this second list should be the response to everything we see in the first list. The past tense stuff is, is, the, is the good news, the stuff we should rejoice about. And the purple list here is the things that we should be doing. I was trying to think of a, a title for it. The best I could come up with, it's, it's daily Christian living. Things that we should be doing daily. We must continually set our hearts, present tense, on things above. We need to put to death and rid ourselves of our old self. That's a daily thing that we're doing. And we need to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness. We need to bear with one another. We need to forgive one another. We need to put on love. And this is our daily response. And so I want us to have that framework that we are responding to all the things which have been done in the past, the gospel, and we are working in the present tense that all the things we are putting off and putting on. And this morning we're going to read just three short verses 
together and have, focus in on these one by one from verse 15. It says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Uh, I got two children, and if you're a, a parent here this morning, you know that sometimes, all the time, I would perhaps suggest that parenting can be a little bit repetitive. The daily cycle of, of life seems to have a certain monotony. You get up, you do kind of get them dressed, you do breakfast, all those kind of things. Um, and one of the, the highlights, or maybe it's a low light for me, is my continual repetitive instruction of Bethia to say, to, to have manners, to, to say uh, please for something in a nice way. So often she'll just come in and out, snack! And uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to say, Bethia, how would you like to ask for something to eat? And she just goes, please! And I say, no, no, you've got you to put in a sentence. And uh, eventually we get a sentence. And then I get the snack out of the cupboard, I give it to her, and, and I hold it there, and I'm waiting, aren't I? And we've all done the wait. Oh, thank you! And uh, it, oh man, it goes on and on. And it's, a, it's hard work. But actually, um, I want Bethy to realize that being thankful is an important practice. And that's, that's why we, we do these kind of things. We don't want it to just to be a habit. We don't want her to receive something and just go, thank you. We don't want it to be lip service to the act. We want her heart to be thankful. I want her to be thankful for the food she eats. I want her to be thankful that she has a place to live when some people don't. I want her to be thankful for the family that she has around her. And ultimately, I want her to be thankful for all that Christ has achieved for her on the cross. And while she can't say that yet, I'm hoping and praying that one day she would. John Piper puts it like this. It says, genuine thankfulness is an act of the heart's affections, not an act of the lips' muscles. I don't want her just to say thank you. I want her heart to be thankful. And that's why when we sit down for dinner as a family, our conversation starts with, what would we like to be thankful for today? And we go around the table and we just say what we're thankful for. And Bethany comes up with the same list every time. Nanny, grandpa, and Bobo, who's the dog. And, it, and she says thank you for the same things. And actually, it's a good practice. And then when we go to bed, our prayers together start with, Bethany, what would you like to be thankful for today? And sometimes other people sneak onto her list. So her, her best friend, Martha, sometimes sneaks onto her list. I want to say, thank you for my best friend. But we want to create a practice of thankfulness. And so when Paul says in these three verses to be thankful three times, I think we should probably take note. And so actually, he's saying something to us that thankfulness should be a practice, a daily practice of our heart's affections to everything that the gospel has done for us. A.W. Tozer says this about thankfulness. He says, gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God, and it is one that the poorest of us can make and not be poorer, but richer for having made it. Genuine thankfulness is a response to who we are in Christ. All the things that have been achieved in the past by Jesus on the cross. And this morning I want to ask you a question. 
I want to ask you, is your heart thankful? Does does your heart overflow with worship because you are overwhelmed by the sovereign grace of God who's taken you from the death that you deserve and brought you into the life that you don't deserve? Or perhaps if we dig down under the surface, maybe harbored in you is some bitterness or resentment or unforgiveness, which is perhaps hampering your ability to be thankful for all that Jesus is. And I want us to see that this morning when we join together in thankfulness, and particularly thankfulness in our worship times, three things can happen. So we're going to take each verse one by one and just read them again, just spend some time just thinking about what happens when we are thankful in our worship. Firstly, thankful worship grows community. Verse 15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. The church is one body, and that kind of has a number of different outplayings. The church across all the nations is the representation of the body of Christ, but also for us here at Gateway Church. We are a group of believers from Poole and Bournemouth and some of the surrounding areas, but as we come together, we represent the body of Christ. And that's why, as a church, we believe that membership is so important. We believe that when we say yes to, to being part of Gateway Church, we're saying that we, we recognize the importance of the body. I'm saying, yes, I engage in everything of bodily functions, and we are here to fulfill the mission of Christ in our local church. And so how is our membership to the body of Christ primarily expressed? Its expression is in our coming together on Sunday mornings. This is the moment where the most of the body meets at any one time. Obviously, there's, there's moments where you meet midweek, there's life groups, there's times you get together, but the primary expression of it is like we are now, here to worship Jesus, to be discipled, to, to one another, each other. Now, wouldn't it be a miserable time if none of us were thankful at all for the body of Christ? And I, I started thinking about how this might play out for us if, if you weren't thankful at all for being a body. You'd, you'd, you'll walk in those doors, and boy, you wouldn't want to shake that hand, would you, or give that hug. Arms crossed, not looking at you. You get in, and you, you'd just be waiting for the sermon, uh, the, 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 the meeting to start, and you, you wouldn't want to talk to anyone, so you find a leaflet or something to look at. Because you don't, you don't want to talk to anyone, because, oh, I'm just really not thankful for being here at this moment. And when the worship starts, you stand there with your hands in your pockets, and you realize that everyone else is standing up. But all you really want to do is sit down. And you go, oh, how do I sit down? And then when you finally get to sit down, you realize that you actually hate the sitting down bit, because you have to sit there and listen for 35 minutes. And eventually, when it's all said and done, you're out the door, gone, because you're not thankful at all. Oh, that would be, that would be miserable, wouldn't it? If we weren't at all thankful, that's not how we do church. We come together as a body of believers, and in our hearts, we should be thankful for everything that Christ has achieved for us. We should be ready to lift up the name of Jesus. We should be ready to exalt him and praise him for what he has done for us and continues to do for us. The Bible says a lot about um, being a body and being connected to each other. And I think 
one of the key passages, 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul writes a lot to the Corinthian church about being a body. And at the end of chapter 12, he, he says this, he says, if one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice. When we come together in thankful worship, community grows. We grow to love one another. We grow to love Jesus, and we grow to love one another because our hearts are responding to all that Jesus is. And so when one person suffers amongst us, we should suffer with them, and we should feel some of that pain because we're thankful for all that God's done. And then when one person rejoices, we rejoice with them. It's why when uh, we had... uh, Finian, announcing the birth of Finian on that we all rejoiced, didn't we? Because we knew that this was good news, that we are celebrating life with them. And when Flea came and said that she had the all clear from cancer and that her adoption order had gone through for her, t- her two, we rejoiced with her. And yet when we feel pain, we all, we all show us we'd feel the pain of those around us. And so how does this play out for us? Uh, kind of four quick thoughts not in any particular order. Um, One, we should be encouraged and supported through our time together. We want you to go away from Sunday mornings feeling encouraged and supportive. It's it's part of being a body. I know that um, when Hannah and I were going through the mill, we just lost our uh, our first child. It was when we came to worship that I really got the sense of being part of a body. And I knew what it meant when you guys were suffering with me. And I knew what it meant to be loved and to be cherished. And actually, that's hugely important to us. And it helped us heal. Community helped us heal. Secondly, we should demonstrate thankfulness in our body language. Uh, This was a contentious one. I thought that some people maybe just have a natural, miserable look. But uh, (laughs) actually, we we should be thankful. We should come with thankful hearts. And we should... Look forward to, to meeting our community, to greeting one another, to, to loving one another, to worshiping Jesus together. And we should demonstrate some of that in our body language. We should uh, make prior, worship a priority. Being here on a Sunday morning, if, if this is the, the main event where our community grows together and we recognize that we are a body of Christ brought under his headship, we should make being here in corporate worship, a priority. We should make it a priority and do everything we can to be here in thankful worship. And finally, we should use this community, the body of Christ, to help us do that daily Christian living. Do you know what? Doing daily Christian living, putting to death some of the things on that list, and daily clothing ourselves with all of those things we're supposed to, is really hard, and boy, do we get it wrong every day. And that's why we need to be accountable to one another. We need to love one another. We need to support one another. And this church is a great place for us to receive the support we need. So firstly, thankful worship grows community. Secondly, thankful worship engages us in the word of Christ. Look at verse 16. It says this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. How? Through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God, here we go again, with gratitude in our hearts. I think all of us, regardless of how long we've come to church, we have a certain connectedness with music and songs. Now, 
I'm not a, a big music person. I don't go home and I listen to music. But actually, I know that um, I'm somehow connected to music. I just wake up in the morning and I find myself humming a tune. Anyone done that? Just I don't even know how it got into my head. And I'm humming that tune. I Where on earth did that come from? And subconsciously, and you go downstairs and your, your husband's humming the same tune. You're like, what's going on? We're all humming the same tune. We have a, a certain connectedness to music. And there's, there's a repetitive and a, a, a melody about it. It somehow helps it stick in our minds. I wonder how many of you could sing a chorus of a song without prompting, without having to look at the words. I know many of the songs this morning you could sing, with, even if we didn't put the words on the screen. And yet, how many of you will remember the words that I've said tomorrow morning? <laughs> I'm just making my point. Songs have an incredible way of penetrating our memory and sticking in. In fact, there's uh, studies which suggest that whilst melody and lyrics, they, they come into our we audible process, they're processed audibly, come in at the same time, our brain has a way of taking the lyrics and kind of giving them their own storage location, as if our brains were hardwired to remember lyrics to a song. Bob Coughlin, he, he works in the Christian music industry, he says this, God has taken the most precise way of communicating truth, which is words, and combined it with the vaguest way of communicating truth, which is music, and he's put them together to make singing, the purpose of which is that we know with our minds, we know what we know with our minds gets connected in our hearts. I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that studies suggest by top psychologists that we have a tendency to remember lyrics, and yet here in Colossians, what does Paul ask us to do? He says to teach one another with hymns and songs and singing. It's as if God knew, didn't he? It's as if God knew that by singing, we would help, help truth take root in our hearts. And um, many of the songs that we've sung here over the last 20 years are by a, a writer and songwriter called Matt Redman. And he just simply says this. I says, he says, I think the very best worship songs connects us with the truth of God. And so I don't mind that you don't wake up tomorrow morning remembering anything I've said. You might not remember all the three different points. In fact, I would be surprised if you did. But maybe in our worship together, some of the truth that we have been singing has taken root in your heart. And without even realizing, that truth is coming out of you because somehow you've connected with it in our worship. And it's now overflowing. The other day I was, I was in the kitchen and I heard Bethia singing. And I was like, oh, what is she? What's she? she was just muttering. And I, I wandered in and just listened to her, her words. And out of kind of deciphering the mispronunciations, I got, Jesus, we honor your name, Lord. And I was like, man, she's declaring truth already. This is incredible. She, because the melody is stuck in her heart and she's starting to sing it. And she might not know what it all means yet. And she might not be, even be able to say all the words perfectly. But our singing, our worship together in song is important because not only are we learning truth, we are declaring truth back to God and we are declaring truth to each other. Have you ever thought about that? We're, we're stood next to someone and we're singing the songs, Jesus, we honor your name. Yours is the highest name of all names. We are declaring truth. And um, 
Sometimes we, we get that moment in, in worship that by the power of the Spirit, it's the temperature of the room seems to rise. In a sense that many of us connect with a, a, a lyric within a song. and it, it happens in all sorts of songs. I guess one of the songs that I've seen it happen most in is In Christ Alone. We get to verse 3, and we, we, we're there, and we're talking about Jesus, his, his body lay, and then you declare, and you could probably sing this with me. Then bursting forth from glorious day up from the grave. And we, we love it, don't we? We get our hands up. We rose again. Because we connect with the lyric and we're declaring truth because he's done it for us and he stands in victory and his curse has lost its grip on me. And tomorrow morning you might find yourself humming that up from the grave he rose again, declaring truth to yourself. And we should be coming to our worship, regardless of what you think about of the style or how the songs are arranged or whether the worship leader is wearing the right shirt. I am today. (laughs) We should come with thankfulness in our hearts because Jesus has done it all for us. I guess there's a couple of prerequisites for this. We need to sing truth. We don't want to sing untruths. And so when a song makes it to Sunday morning, it's gone, kind of been talked about. It's been mulled over. The, the team have played around with it. We've thought about the words. And actually, only when we think it's, it's truth, it's good to us, does it, does it make it to a Sunday morning. And on the flip side of that, we want to avoid singing vagueness. We don't want to sing endless metaphors about Jesus being lovey-dovey and he's like a tree which blows in the wind. We, don't, we, don't want, we want to avoid all those vagueness. And as a result of that, we just need to be careful what we listen to. If, if lyrics st- stick in our minds, we need to be careful what we listen to, especially some of our, the non-Christian music out there, because before you know it, you've got those lyrics stuck in your mind, and you're singing those untruths to you about all kinds of different things. So thankful worship grows community. Thankful worship engages us in truth. And thirdly, thankful worship extends to all life. Let's take a look at verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. If thankful worship is a present tense response to the miracle of a cross that has achieved a victory we could not achieve, we should therefore not compartmentalize this to Sunday mornings or life groups or even our daily devotionals. It should extend to all aspects of our being. And whatever you do, not just Sunday mornings, not just that moment when you open your Bible in the morning, not just life group, and whatever you do, whether word or deed, how should we do it? In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. It's easy to perhaps brush aside this final verse and, and not give it much thought. But if we paraphrase the words of Paul, he's, he's essentially saying that the main objective of, of our lives is, is not our own happiness. It's not about satisfying our own desires. It's not about our own per, per, per perfection. Our main objective is demonstrating the glory of God. In that first moment when you crossed the line of faith and became a Christian, You became an ambassador of Christ here on this earth. You became a Christ follower. In the 
the Gospel of Luke, we find a really helpful story. Jesus was walking uh, um, between some, on the border between Samaria and Galilee, and he was going towards a village. And on, on, as he entered the village, there were 10 lepers. And these, these 10 lepers, who were probably living on the outskirts, from a distance called out to Jesus. They said, have mercy on us. And when Jesus saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. It's really interesting what it writes. It says that as they went from Jesus to the priests, they were cleansed. So we had 10 lepers, and all 10 of those lepers were cleansed. And then one of them, saw, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus, praising in a loud voice. He found Jesus. He went to Jesus' feet. He got down on his knees, and he thanked Jesus for what he'd done. And then what Jesus asks is amazing. It says this. It says, were not all 10 clean, cleansed? Where are the other nine? Why haven't they come back? Why haven't they returned to give praise for the fact that they are healed as well? In fact, the only one to return is kind of alluded in the passage is a Samaritan, an outsider. He is the only one to return. C.S. Lewis says this, We ought to give thanks for all fortune, if it is good, because it is good, if bad, because it, is, it, work, because it works in us patience, humility, and the contempt of this word, and the hope of our eternal country. Do you know, thankfulness is hard. It's not always our first response. It's not always how our hearts respond. That's why we have to be trained to be thankful. That's why I spend daily instructing Bethia on how to be thankful, because thankfulness is hard. It's not our default response. Why is it that 10 lepers were cleansed, but only one of them returned to praise Jesus? So I guess there's a, a number of outworkings of verse 17. Whatever you do, whether work or deed, all of us will have different spheres of our lives and we're at different stages of our lives. For some of us, this will be our work life. Whatever we do, it might be mundane, it might be repetitive, it might be not rewarding, you might have difficult colleagues. Whatever you do, why are we doing it? We're doing it for the praise of, and the glory of Jesus Christ. On the other hand, you might love work. I love going to work. I love, I love teaching children. I love, I love being in their presence. And I, I, I'm actually thankful that I got a job to go back to, which I enjoy. And, and, and so we've got to think about how we respond to work life. Maybe it's, maybe it's parenting. Maybe, maybe you're just finding the season really tough and all thankfulness has been zapped away and Actually, in your heart, you want to be thankful for your children because they're a rich blessing to you. You want to, to lead them in godly ways. And actually, you're finding that really hard. We need to be thankful in the way we parent. Maybe it's in your interactions with others, whether works or deeds. Do you know the things that we say are important? We need to do it with thankfulness at all times. So at the beginning of the morning, I asked you a question. And I asked you whether your heart was thankful. And I have no doubt that all of us will be able to express some thankfulness in some way. But I want it to be more than just a child's response, more than just lip service. We don't want that. We want our thankfulness, our worship, our thankfulness in our worship to be a response to all that Jesus has done and all that he is doing in amongst us. And when we, and when we do that, that's when we can respond in worship. That's when we can lift up his name. And so just a couple of 
things that perhaps we need to apply in us. Firstly, we all need to engage in thankful worship for community to be built. We all need to come in thankful that God has done it. Now, that's regardless of what we're going through. Now, all of us will have different stages of life. Some of us will be uh, newly married. Some of us will be unmarried. Some of us will be married for a long time. Some of us will be retired. Some of us will be working. Some of us will have children. Some of us won't have children. But we are a body. God's put us together as the body of Christ. And all of us, collectively, are the church here at Gateway. And we all need to come in collectively with thankfulness in our hearts. And sometimes that's really hard. And you might be struggling with that this morning. But God wants to to show you all that he's done for you. That you were once dead but are now alive. That you are raised in Christ and hidden in him. And when you see that and you get hold of that truth, then you can come into this place with thankful hearts. And I don't know all, all of your stories, but it doesn't take any kind of prophetic insight for me to say that in this room, there will be people here who situations in their lives have caused them to, to, to struggle to be thankful. Maybe it's uh, a bereavement which has happened unexpectedly or something which happened at work. And maybe being thankful is the last thing you really want to do. Dan, I don't want to be thankful because I'm going through this. And what I believe that God's calling us to do this morning is to not look down at our feet, not to look at our situation, but to instead raise our eyes and to look to Jesus, the one who has achieved the victory for you, the one who has taken you from death and brought you into life. So even though we may be going through the mill currently, even though the pain of our our life situations is really starting to, to really get to us, when we look at Jesus for all he is and we trust him, that's when we start to find healing. God has called us to be thankful in everything no matter what the situation, because Jesus has achieved the victory. Amen? Let's, let's stand and let's pray. I think there'll probably be some more words of knowledge and prophetic words that might come, which might help frame our response. But let me pray, and the band will get ready, and we'll get ready to, to respond in worship, to be thankful in our worship. But let's, let's pray together. Father, uh, we thank you for this passage in Colossians, which is so practical, uh, and we don't want to to miss the practicalities, but before we do that, we want to to recognize that you are the risen, conquering Messiah, that you are the one who has defeated death, that you are the one who reigns and is victorious, and it is you that we come to right now. We look to you. We lift our eyes from whatever's going on around us, and we say, Jesus, would you help us to to focus in on you? Lord, we want our hearts not just to repeat thank you because that's the way we're instructed to. We want them to to really feel it. We want to be the, the beat of our heart that we are thankful for all that you have achieved for us, that we were dead. We were dead in our sin, and now we live in life because you've given to us. And Father, I I pray for those amongst us now who perhaps are struggling to be thankful.
because of a situation going on, because of a hurt that they've not yet processed or they're struggling to get to grips with. Lord, I pray right now by your Holy Spirit, would you come and fill them? Would they lift their eyes to you? Would they know that they are a child of God? They are called into your family, that they are part of your body. And Lord, would we as a church love them? Would we stand beside them? Would we hurt with them? And would we ultimately, would you lead us to healing? And so Father, we, we pray for those things right now. Lord, would we lift our eyes to you in worship and be thankful for all that you have done and all that you are doing. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and, and you've never chosen to put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've never crossed that line of faith. Maybe as we worship, would you ask that God do something amongst you, in you, that reveals himself to you, and that maybe today's the day, you come and talk to me after and say, I want to trust Jesus for the first time. I want to lift my eyes from myself and instead choose to trust in everything that Jesus has achieved. Gemma is going to lead us in worship again. We're going to respond, and Rich is going to lead us. In a minute, we'll take communion together as well. But let's, let's respond in worship first.